Wow. Awesome. How incredible to hear those amazing stories of hope. And and if today is about anything, it is about hope. God is the God of, of hope. He turns the mess of our lives into a message of his great hope. And so I'm thrilled and privileged to be sharing some thoughts with you on this Easter Sunday morning and thinking about what has Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, got to do with this fork. Intrigued? We'll come back to that in a moment. All over the world today, there are churches celebrating the good news that Jesus Christ has risen. You see it on banners outside of church. Uh, In 2016, there was a church in York who went to the local printers to get four of these big banners that they were going to put outside of their building with those three simple, powerful words, Christ is risen. Unfortunately, though, the printer made a little bit of a mistake and missed off the essential letter T. So the banners didn't say Christ is risen. The banners triumphantly declared that Chris is risen. Now, listen, I don't know who Chris is, uh, but what I do know is this, that billions of people across planet Earth are not celebrating that he got out of bed today. But God bless you, Chris, wherever you are. But we are celebrating the best news ever. We are celebrating that Jesus Christ, God's only son, broke into human history and became a human being. We are celebrating that Jesus lived a perfect, inspiring, breathtaking human life. We are are celebrating that Jesus reveals to us what God is truly like. That God hasn't come to condemn us, but he has come to save us out of his great love for us. We are celebrating that though Jesus was innocent, he died a criminal's death, carrying our failure, our guilt, and our shame upon himself in an incredible divine exchange. We are celebrating that Jesus rose from the dead three days later, to prove that he was God and that every barrier that gets in the way of us having life with God has been removed once and for all. This is what we're celebrating. And if you are celebrating that with me, why don't you just say, amen, yes, I am, right where you are. Excellent. There's some celebration in the house going on. But listen, I get the fact that maybe you're watching this this morning and you're thinking like, that sounds crazy. Because it does sound a little bit mad, doesn't it? Let's be honest. People don't rise from the dead. Like, people don't do that. And Jesus wasn't just resuscitated. Like, we believe that Jesus was resurrected. This is something different. It wasn't that after three days, Jesus came alive again in his old body. When Jesus was resurrected, he had a brand new body, a fully physical body and a fully spiritual body, a resurrected body where essentially heaven and earth met fully in a new person. A resurrected body that could never get sick or die again. And a resurrected body that could appear and disappear in a room or a space or a place in just a moment. This resurrected body was like the beginnings of a brand new creation. Something incredibly new. And so I get though that it is very hard to believe. Very hard to get your head around such a thing. 
A few days ago, it was the 1st of April, and everyone was doing that April Fool's pranks. I don't know if you caught, caught some of them. Lipton's Tea uh, promoted their brand new self-jiggling, as they called it, self-jiggling, self-stirring tea bag. EMG, even GMTV got in, the, on, in on the act and announced, uh, forget Love Island, they were announcing the launch of Dove Island, where birds would be flown from all over the world to find love together. Even Anton Deck jumped in and they announced that they were rebranding their famous partnership no longer to be Ant and Deck, but soon to become Deck and Ant. See what they did there. Or what about uh, Wimbledon said they were going to turn their centre court purple for the, uh, for the games this year. Even our very own Alex Marini, our young adults pastor, messaged the whole of the team telling us that she was moving to Sheffield only to disappoint us all, to to tell us that actually she was, she was not going after all. But uh, no, I'm teasing. We love Alex. She's awesome. Everyone was getting in on it as well. And even for the kids, like Paddington Bear tweeted that he doesn't like marmalade. It was a shocking day. And many people, I guess, they look at this resurrection story and they think it can't possibly be true. It must be some April Fool's prank. But what if it is really true? Why does it matter to every single one of us on the planet today? Why does it matter to you? You, I'm speaking to you. Why is this so important to every one of us? This past week has been a big week, hasn't it? Where just last Monday, we came out of lockdown and we were able to meet and socialise in, in a way that we haven't in a while. Groups of six, two households coming together in parks and gardens. And at the beginning of the week, when the weather was fantastic, everyone flocked out to parks and gardens and beaches. And what was the result? At the end of the day, we saw on our social media feeds and in the news broadcasts that many of those parks and beaches were absolutely covered in litter, in rubbish. One day of freedom and people had created an almighty mess already. In fact, council litter pickers were out in force on our very own Windmill Hill in Hitchin the day after the first lockdown. You know, a lot of people... They look at the brokenness of the world and they say, well, if God exists, then it must be his fault. Because if the world is in a mess, then surely he doesn't love us or he doesn't care about us or he's not powerful or, or he doesn't exist. If the world is in a mess, then it must be God's fault. But that's like the people who made a mess in Windmill Hill blaming everyone else for the mess when they did it themselves. God is not responsible for the mess in the world. He didn't make the mess. In fact, in this incredible big biblical story, the true story of what's going on in the world, we discover that God created a beautiful world for us to live in. He created us to be in a life-giving, loving relationship with him and to have a, a role in the world where we join him in taking care of the whole of creation. But he gave us freedom. He gave us the freedom to choose because that's what love does. Love always gives a choice. And we all know, like we at some point in our lives, and maybe still today, we chose to reject God, to ignore him, to, 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 to decide that he doesn't even exist perhaps. And we rejected our responsibility to look after creation. And as a result, we see a terrible mess in the world around us. So much selfishness, so much sickness, so much suffering, and so much death. Particularly, we've seen that this year. 
And so I get why people ask, where is God in this? What is he doing about the mess? And the answer this Easter weekend is powerful and breathtaking and life-changing. Where is God in the mess? He is dying on a cross. That's where God is. He is carrying the full, brutal, hellish consequences of our selfishness and sickness and suffering and death upon himself. And on that good, awful, terrible, beautiful, powerful Friday, all of those things buried him. They overcame him. But we celebrate this day because after three days, he buried those things. He rose above those things. He overcame those things. Jesus' death means for you and I that the penalty, the price, the sacrifice, the punishment, the consequences, however you want to describe it, all of those things have been laid on Jesus. He has dealt with it all. And the resurrection of Jesus means that the power of selfishness, the power of sickness, the power of suffering and death has been defeated once and for all. It looked like all those powers had won, but Jesus defeated those things in the ultimate of lockdowns. Jesus' death and resurrection declare to the whole of creation that selfishness and sickness and suffering and death will and have been locked down forever. That's why the tomb was opened, not to let Jesus out, but to let the whole world in to see the victory that Jesus had won over all those awful things. So how does that outwork for us in practice? What does that mean for us today, this incredible story of life defeating death? Why does it matter? Well, earlier, Caleb brilliantly read from 1 Peter chapter 1. This is a, a book near the end of the New Testament. It's a letter written by Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples. This is the Peter who denied Jesus on the night that he was arrested. The, Jesus, uh, the Peter who was then restored into relationship after Jesus was resurrected. And decades later, Peter writes this letter, 1 Peter, to a whole group of Christians who are going through a terrible time. They are suffering, they are being persecuted, they are struggling, and they're understandably asking, God, where are you? Where are you in this? I thought your death and resurrection had defeated the struggle and the suffering and death. And because of this grappling that they're in, that we still feel we're in today, because of this, Peter writes this incredible letter. And he he encourages them in many ways. And I just want to mention four things that he encourages this, this group of, of believers that I hope will encourage us today. First Peter chapter 1 and at verse 3, the first thing he says to them is, listen, number one, be thankful. Be thankful. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be thankful, he says. Because in his great mercy, we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter's reminding us that we've all ignored God. We've turned our back on God, but God is merciful, which means that God does not give us what we deserve. We ignored him. God has every right to ignore us. But as you heard earlier, God is unwilling to abandon you. God is unwilling to live without you. And so he came, he lived, he died, he rose for you and I. 
And because even though Jesus died and and rose again, we get this incredible promise, this great reality that even if death takes us, then that same resurrection life can become our experience too. Whatever you're facing, Peter says, first of all, be thankful. We can look back with gratitude because of what Jesus has done. Like as Kayla prayed earlier, we believe in a God who heals. We believe in miracles. We pray for those things. I mean, what makes them a miracle is they don't happen all the time. But we love those moments when sick people get healed, where relationships that seem impossibly broken are restored. We pray. We give heaven no rest. And sometimes those prayers are answered in ways that we see. And sometimes they're answered in a different way. And yet, On one level, I know if Jesus never answered another prayer that we prayed, he has already done enough for us on the cross. We should be thankful, so thankful for what Jesus has done. We look back with gratitude with what Jesus has done. But then the second thing Peter says is that we must be hopeful. Be hopeful. He says, we live with great expectation. We have a priceless inheritance. He says, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this. We should be hopeful because the promise of this great story is that God will never, ever let go of you. That God will keep his promises. That your future and your destiny is secure. That God will carry you into the world to come. Because in the world to come, in the place of new creation, there's no more sickness. There's no more suffering. There's no more selfishness. And there is no more death. And God will hold on to you. And he will carry you until he gets you into that eternal place his plans are unstoppable his hope is unshakable and so you can be hopeful we look back with gratitude because of what Jesus has done and we can look forward with hope because of what Jesus will do in the midst of that in the middle place between gratitude and hope Peter then invites you and I to be faithful, to be faithful. Like he's real in verses six and seven that, yeah, there will be trials. There will be suffering. There will be struggle. It seems that darkness and death and suffering and selfishness and sickness, those enemies of us all, they will not go down without a fight. They know their days are numbered. They know that they will not exist in the brave, new, beautiful creation of God. But they'll do their very best to take as many people out as they can in this life. Peter's real about that. He's real to say, you know what? Life is hard. Tough things happen. God didn't promise us a trouble-free life this side of that new, wonderful creation. But in the same way that that, uh, Peter's saying that God holds on to us, in this moment he's saying, and you hold on to God. Like God will never, ever let you go. Whatever you do, don't let go of God. Don't let go of him. Hold on to him, sometimes with tears, sometimes with just the remnant of faith, sometimes by our fingertips, but don't let God go. Don't let God go. Hold on to him because he's the best life. He's the best deal. He's the best offer. He's the best hope. He's the best promise. He's the best best peace and life and love that any of us could ever have. And if we let go of that, then what have we got? 
Don't let go. Be faithful, even when it's tough. As we heard in those videos about hope a moment ago, our trials can become the testimonies of how God brought us through. Our trials become the testimonies of how God held on to us. Our trials can become the testimonies of how we held on to God, even in the mystery, even in the pain and the struggle. But we knew that a better day was coming. We look back with gratitude for what Jesus has done. We look forward with hope for what Jesus has promised to bring us to in terms of God's new creation. And we look up towards heaven in the midst of the struggle. And then lastly, he says in verses 8 to 9, be joyful. With all of this in mind, be joyful. He talks about rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. He says, look, whatever you see around you, even if you can't even see God, even if you think there's no evidence of God in your situation, be assured God is at work. God is always at work. There's a lovely verse in in a section of songs in the Bible in the book of Psalms that says that while you sleep, God's always at work. God's always at work on your behalf. He's rescuing you. He's saving you. He's imparting hope and comfort and strength and courage as you hold on to him. There is a big salvation rescue plan where God wants to see his new creation break through just like it did on that first resurrection day resurrection breaking out. And so Peter's saying, your thankfulness, your hopefulness, your faithfulness can lead to joyfulness because you know whatever you see that God is at work and he's working in you and he's working through you, that you and I get to join in with what God is doing, not just to experience life after death, but life before death, that we can see Jesus at work in and through us, that we can join in God's works of rescue right here here right now, that we can see the resurrection life of Jesus break out into the world. We can see heaven break out as it did. We can pray and see people healed. We can help the poor come out of their poverty into the best life. We can fight against trafficking and slavery. We can help people get jobs. We can see people coming into the relationship with Jesus. We can see marriages restored and people stopping being excluded, young people from schools. We can join in the joyous, wonderful, great works of God, where every act of goodness is a sign of this resurrection, new creation breaking out. We have been chosen for this. We were born for this. And this, my friends, is a reason for great joy, for great, great joy. Which brings me to the fork as I start to finish. What has this fork got to do with Easter Sunday? Well, there's a story told of a lady who was dying of terminal cancer and she was very, very close to death and she asked her pastor to come and see her so that she could work through the final details of her funeral, the songs, the readings, who was going to do what. And as he turned to leave, she beckoned to him and said to him, look, there's just one more thing just before you go. Please, will you ensure that I get buried holding this fork? And of course, he was intrigued and she said, well, let me explain. 
She said, I remember years ago, my, my grandmother talking about this church and how when they used to have uh, suppers and potluck suppers and, and lunches and dinners together where everyone would bring food. And once the main course had all been put away, uh, someone would turn to my grandmother and say, grab a hold of your fork. Grab a hold of your fork because something better is coming. Dessert is coming. Big apple pies laden with cream. Big chocolate gattos, carrot cakes bursting with carrots. Something better is coming. And so she said, I want to be buried with my fork because I know that with Jesus, something better is coming. A better day is coming. And that is the hope of Easter Sunday. Not just after we die, but on this side of death, something better is coming. If you surrender your life to Jesus, something better is coming. Life is coming. Hope is coming. Thankfulness is coming. Joy is coming. The goodness of God is coming both now and for all eternity. The, the, the hourglass of pain and suffering is running out. The days of pain will soon come to an end. And that resurrection power, that new creation will break out across the whole of God's world. And the question God says to you today is, do you want to be a part of it? Because you have a choice. You have a choice to be part of God's family and to be part of what God is doing, rescuing the world and being part of that new creation. Let me encourage you today to be thankful. Look back in gratitude for what Jesus did. Be hopeful. Look forward with great hope for what Jesus will do this week in the months and weeks and years to come and even beyond death. Be faithful, look up for, for help from heaven in the midst of your struggle and be joyful. Look at what God is doing. Marvel at the fact that he has chosen you to join in. Seeing that resurrection power at work in you and through you for your good, for the good of the world and for the glory of God. Say yes to Jesus today. Don't miss out on his wonderful breathtaking resurrection life.